As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tribune Audio Network. If you want to invite Brian to your party, email us. The investigators, the investigators. at fox6now.com. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if I got a bunch of party invitations now? That cool, would be Cool is one word for it. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. We're investigative reporters, breaking down some of our big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. This is the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On today's episode, Flying Under the Radar, the loophole that allows daycares to avoid oversight. And canned for carrying a weapon, the controversial ride-sharing policy that cost a driver his job. Hello, I'm Brian Polson, and I'm here with Jenna Sachs. Hi. And Amanda St. Hilaire. Hello. So who's watching the people who watch your kids? Questions about an unlicensed daycare uncovered a bigger statewide issue. Now, state lawmakers are pushing for change. Amanda, this all started with an email you got? That it did. A woman named Becky sent us a message about Living Word Child Development Center in Jackson, Wisconsin. Becky used to work at Living Word and said when she was there, it was licensed and inspected by the state. So fast forward a few years, Becky no longer worked there, but she liked the daycare enough to still send her daughter. She says she called the Department of Children and Families one day because she had some questions, and that's when someone there told her Living Word was not licensed. There's no rules, it seems like. So we couldn't just take Becky's word for it. So we requested public records from the Department of Children and Families. We looked at their child care database. Living Word did not appear anywhere on there. Those public records showed that Living Word used to be licensed, but since 2015, it had not been licensed and no one had been inspecting it. So what is the significance of a daycare being licensed? Well, there's a legal aspect. Wisconsin law says, with a few exceptions, anyone caring for four or more children younger than seven for fewer than 24 hours per day needs a state license. So that license comes with inspections that make sure you're meeting safety standards, things like background checks, training in shaken baby syndrome, for example, staff-to-child ratios, supervision. So if you're not licensed and you're not being inspected, no one's watching. So for essentially a four-year period, no one was watching. That's how it looked. So we went into Living Word Child Development Center with a hidden camera. We took a tour available to the public, and that's how we found out Living Word was claiming it was a private school and exempt from state oversight. State employees and some state lawmakers, current and former, when we did some digging, said it was too easy for child care centers to do that and avoid accountability, and they called that the daycare loophole. So, all right, explain what is what do you mean by daycare loophole? What is that, and how are these child care centers using or maybe exploiting it? So before we mentioned exceptions to Wisconsin law, one of the exceptions is if you are a private school. State employees tell me that exception was never meant to cover 
infant care because of the very definition of a private school. You have to have sequentially progressive curriculum and mathematics and social studies, and there's a very specific outline. But as we found out when we were going through the public records, all Living Word had to do was fill out basically four sheets of paper and say, hey, we're a private school now. At that point, the Department of Public Instruction doesn't regulate private schools. They're not going to follow up to see, is this really a private school? They're now not under the jurisdiction of Department of Children and Families. So you fill out those four pieces of paper and no one checks up on you again, including the state inspectors who were making sure that you met those infant care requirements. So it sounds like there was an effort to close this loophole before. How did that go? There was. So former state lawmaker Penny Bernard Schaber had heard about an issue with a child care center in her district in the Appleton area. And it was a child care provider who used to be licensed, declared herself to be a private school, uh, but there were a lot of safety concerns. Children were sleeping in the basement with no available exits. There weren't working smoke detectors. There were um, fire code violations. There were a lot of safety concerns there. But there wasn't really anything anyone could do about it because she was technically a private school. So she introduced legislation that would require essentially all schools, private school, public school, whatever you call yourself, if you are providing care for children under the age of three, because that's the care that's been considered distinctly different than educational programming you are required to be licensed and inspected. And she said it had bipartisan support. The records show it came out of committee fairly easily with a bipartisan vote, but it never made it to the legislature for a full vote. People started getting caught up in, well, what about accredited schools? What about this? What about that? And it just kind of fell apart. What? I want to step back for a minute because I'm sitting in this room. You are a a new mom. Jenna has young children. Executive producer Leanne across the room has a young child. You've all been in that place where you're considering daycares or you're looking at who are you going to give your child over to. How important is it, I imagine, for a lot of parents just to know someone's watching, someone's checking to make sure they're doing things right. This place is safe. They have the right training. There are no safety concerns here. I mean, those are things that, in general, really that's what's important, right? Well, I remember, Jenna, when I found out I was pregnant and I was talking to you, one of the resources you said that you had found really helpful was Youngstar, the Department of Children and Families online database. You type it in, the licensed child care provider pops up, you see all their past inspections, you see how they're rating, you see accreditation, and you have a lot of information before you even step foot in there. Would if Living not, Word even show up in there? No, they didn't because they're not licensed. So that's already a lot of information you don't have. Now, you can tour a place and get a completely different feel than what you see on paper, but I know for me personally, knowing that someone else who is trained to do this has checked to make sure that people have the right training, and even things that we consider smaller things like paperwork is in order, and that they know that that inspection can happen at any point, that makes me feel better. And I know when we started talking about this back in the investigator's office, 
a lot of the moms were going, well, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. You know, I'm wondering about the reaction to this story. Did you make any claims about the type of care Living Word was giving? Were there any issues or complaints you were aware of? Yeah, I mean, we did not have any evidence that Living Word was violating safety standards. We just knew that they were operating in a way where we couldn't tell and it was impossible for anyone else to tell if they were following those safety standards. And as one state lawmaker told us, if you're following safety standards, what's the issue with someone coming in to make sure you're doing just that? So we never made any claims about the kind of care that was provided. After our story aired, um, especially because Living Word did not want to talk to us, we had to go ring their bell after calling them several times. They did not want to give their side of the story. Um, We had a lot of people calling in with additional news tips about other child care uh, issues or loopholes or other child care providers. But we also did get some not so happy phone calls from parents whose children go to Living Word saying, hey, I like the care that my child has received there. And that's great. I'm glad that people like the care their child is receiving. The bigger issue that state lawmakers are pointing to, and now there's an effort to reintroduce that legislation that fell apart a few years ago, is that it signifies the larger issue of how many places do we really have operating off the grid, so to speak, well, what, what, and how big of a problem is that? And right now, we don't know because they're unlicensed. What, I, what strikes me about all this is, again, stepping back, there's an ongoing debate, certainly in Wisconsin and probably in a lot of other places, about public schools versus private schools. How much regulation should private schools have? Forget the daycares for a minute. That is an issue that is a hotly contested issue, and a lot of thoughts on both sides of that, a lot of opinions. In this case, we're talking about child care centers. And if I understand this loophole correctly, what's happened here is you have this uh, ability for uh, schools to say, if, if we're a school, a private school, we don't get this certain kind of regulation. But we're talking about applying that to these young children. Is Essentially, are they using, I guess the question I'm trying to get to in a clumsy way is, are they using something that was meant for older kids and applying it to these young children just to get out of inspections or other regulation. That's what a lot of state lawmakers are telling us, and that's what the original complaint was. It's hard because since Living Word wouldn't talk to us, it's hard to get at the original intent because my big question for them was, what was it in 2015 that made you say, hey, we're a school now, if the idea is that you're still operating essentially in the same way. It was, did you have an issue with the licensing fee? Was there an inspection you had a problem with? What what was the catalyst Well, and what stood out, change? if I recall from the story, is that in terms of did Living Word sort of know they were doing something wrong, you had those documents that show when they fill out whatever they fill out with the state, they said that their lowest grade was K-4 or 4K. Right. I always forget so, which it is. But but so that – because that's I think what this was – that's school, right? We think of 4K, 5K and above. That's school. Anything below that would just be child care. I know some people say their two-year-old's going to school, but that's different. That's more just traditional daycare. The fact that they said that was their lowest grade and then you go in for a visit – and they say, of course, no, we're, we, we go all the way, you know, infants, toddlers, everything else. That seemed disingenuous. Well, and the, so the inconsistencies were huge. So 
we in the, in the state paperwork that you fill out, and this tells you what the Department of Public Instruction employees were telling me is that this was not this private school exception was not meant for child care programs because there are parts of the form where the lowest available grade for you to circle is four-year-old kindergarten. But then there was a sheet with a question of what is your lowest grade, and they wrote down four-year-old kindergarten, even though Living Word's website advertises care for six weeks old and up, and we had them on camera caring for infants and talking about their baby room. It's confusing for parents when you hear the term school because any licensed child care programs refer to them as school. I remember when I started looking and I, I would say the word daycare and I would get glares from people who worked at some of these facilities because that's not what they like to be called. It's school, it's child care. So if you're a parent touring the quote school and they say, well, we're not, you're not going to find us in the database because we're a private school, that may not sound super different than other things you're hearing. Another issue is enrollment. So on these state forms, because the lowest grade is listed as four-year-old kindergarten, the enrollment will fluctuate between 18, 21, depending on the year for living word. That's what they write down. We have the administrator on camera telling us there are about 150 children total in the center. And if you watch the video, you see it's a huge campus. So I guess it would leave me as a parent wondering if maybe everything's just fine. Maybe they're providing a really great service. Then why do they have to say these things that don't match up? Well, that would raise red flags. And the issue is, without wading too much into the private school, public school regulation debate, I think I think the big question comes down to what is the legal definition of school? And in Wisconsin, there is a legal definition. And while children are always learning. Infants are learning pretty much from the day they're born. That's different than specific instruction. I don't, I can't foresee a situation where you can effectively give a six-week-old baby a sequentially progressive social studies curriculum. I mean, you could, but I don't know how much of that they're going to absorb. Um, And that's that's the area where there is a little where there is gray. So I was going to make a Doogie Howser reference, and I don't think either one of you know what I'm <laughs> I talking know about. That. Doogie, what, Doogie, know Doogie, is. Why didn't know? I make a lot of these references, it's and because, then I feel like I'm the old guy. It's because of how I met your mother with Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, so, so then I, I actually saw the show. Well, he <laughs> might have had a sequentially, <laughs> sequentially progressive, progressive social studies curriculum, curriculum. at you know six months old. Yeah, so maybe your baby's Doogie Howser, maybe not. Um, so that I mean that really is I think the big question in Wisconsin right now. And we wanted to make sure we had the private school perspective, so we did call up the Wisconsin Council of Religious and Independent Schools. Originally, a spokesperson told us that the executive director would do an on-camera interview with us, but the executive director ended up backing out of that interview. She did tell us over the phone that there were some gray areas in the way the statute was was put together, and that her organization was working with the Department of Children and Families to figure out some solutions. 
wouldn't say exactly what those solutions were. Department of Children and Families confirmed they are working together. Stop short of saying exactly what those solutions are. I think they're talking about tightening up some policies, but some of that might have to be a legislative fix, and that's where you have some state lawmakers who are having their drafting attorneys look at reintroducing this legislation that Penny Bernard Chaber had introduced years ago. Did your interest in this story start with your own search? I'm just interested <laughs> if this came from you as you were touring daycares for yourself. Yes and no. It started, I didn't know what the Young Star system was. Um, so it started just when, and at this point, I forget, I forget if I had told, because for a while, Leanne was the only one here who knew I was pregnant, and I forget if I told her at that point. But it was when I was like, oh, there's this database that Wisconsin has, and that's great. And I'm looking it up and trying to figure out what five-star means, what four-star means, and looking into some other things. Um, And just around that time, we happened to get this email from this woman. So you were plugged in. So, yeah, so my, my, I already was kind of on alert about it. Um, it made it so that, you know, while doing my search, we, it also ended up helping with research for this story, which was great. Um, and having that perspective. So, yeah, I would say they kind of, they, they fueled each other. I think the big thing for me, and I'm a big public records nerd, was when we got all those public records back that showed, okay, this is an actual thing. Because you get a news tip, you don't really know where someone's coming from. Okay, maybe someone at the child care center made her mad and now she wants to get back at them. She used to work there. Maybe she's a disgruntled former employee. So when all those public records started coming back and I really dove into that, that's when I said, okay, something something here doesn't doesn't match up. And that's when, especially once I started getting people to talk off the record from the Department of Children and Families and the Department of Public Instruction, and they said, yeah, this is actually a much bigger problem. We have no idea how far it goes. That's when we said, okay, there's definitely a story here. This happened to be a case where we didn't receive any at least anything you could verify that Living Word was doing something wrong in terms of the way they care for children. But this sort of loophole raises that question that there may be a place out there. And I think the real outrage will come if or when you find there was some really bad stuff going on at a place that was flying under the radar because they just called themselves a school when they weren't a school. And the question is, are we willing to wait that long for something to get to that point? And that's something a lot of state lawmakers have brought up. I know when I called Living Word to get their comment for the story, um, initially I spoke just briefly with the uh, with the administrator, and right away she was saying, well, we're a private school and we provide great care. That's great. I'm not saying you don't, but let's talk about why you fall under that private school category Let's talk about some of the concerns about what could happen if no one is watching, because they did have previous inspections that showed nothing I would say that was out of the ordinary, but, you know, there are always safety issues that are raised during these inspections. They're tough, and they're meant to be tough. Well, and they're the example of how easy it is to call yourself a school. There might be someone else out there who's the example of the consequences of doing that. Right. Well, and looking at their past inspections, for example, they had an issue where uh, back when they were licensed, 
there was a safety concern about how kids were getting buckled in for mealtimes. Okay, you're getting inspected by the state. You're now required to fix that. Fine. If no one's coming in and telling you that, and if no one's checking to make sure you fixed it, what happens next time? It's not that anyone's necessarily doing anything nefarious. It's just there's a lot that goes into running a child care center. And there are, especially when you have that many kids involved, and there are going to be things you don't catch. So I really wish they had talked to us. I still hope they do. Um, they sent us a statement the day after we ran the story. I don't think they were too happy about it. They, uh, they called it, quote, ambush journalism. Um, it's not really an ambush when you call so many times and show you up so many times. gave them the opportunity times. certainly to have their but And, and you, in the end, this is one of those stories that all started with that tip and you go from there. Exactly. And so keeping that in mind, so many of our stories do start with those news tips. If you think you do have a story for us, please send us an email. Our email address is theinvestigators at fox6now.com. So should Uber drivers in Milwaukee be allowed to carry concealed weapons? That's the question one man raised to Jenna after Uber fired him. Boy, did people get fired up. This story got a lot of attention on talk radio after it aired, generating a whole lot of discussion about whether Uber is violating its driver's Second Amendment rights. Yeah, it did get a lot of talk. The Uber driver, Stan, told me he thought he was going to be robbed or carjacked when he pulled out his concealed carry weapon. He self-reported the incident to Uber, and he was told he violated Uber's community safety policy, which bans firearms and Uber vehicles. But he did have a permit for his firearm. He did. Uh, Stan told me that carrying his permitted gun made him feel safer when he was traveling into more dangerous parts of the city. This is Milwaukee. You hear carjackings, attempted robberies and all this, you know, weekly. And I can see that if you're an Uber driver driving at you know, those times of night and, and in a dangerous part of the city, you want to protect yourself. But in this case, what actually happened that led him to pull out the gun? Okay, so this is a bit of a story. Um, Stan says... This guy got in the car immediately smelling of marijuana. Uh, okay, the app said Stan was supposed to take the man to one location, but throughout the ride, the man kept badgering Stan to take him somewhere else. Now, Stan got a bad feeling about this pretty quickly and refused to take him anywhere other than the location in the app. Stan says throughout the, the drive, the man was making a lot of whispered phone calls, and once they got to the destination, the man refused to get out of the car, and he made a phone call to someone, and Stan heard him say, more or less over the phone, I'm here, I need you to come out, let's do this. So that sounds like they're going to do something to the Uber driver. I'm sure that's what he's thinking. That's exactly what he's thinking. So Stan said he took out his gun, exited the vehicle, and he ordered the man out of his car. Now, at the same time, another man came running out from between the two houses. So how did things go down from there? Uh, the guys backed away. Um, once Stan showed the weapon, he then went to the Milwaukee Police Department, reported the incident. An officer there told Stan, hey, I think you did the right thing. Um, Stan then self-reported the incident to Uber, and that's when he was fired. So I have such mixed feelings about this because you hear Stan's story, and it's powerful. And, you know, he did everything legally he was supposed to do. Also, as a woman who has used ride-sharing services and all these issues about safety are coming up, the idea that my, my driver might have a weapon and I don't 
could make me nervous. So I'm not surprised that there was a lot of talk about this. What do gun rights activists think about this and what are the arguments against Uber banning the guns? Okay, so gun rights activists completely support Stan here. They think that he had the right to have a gun in that car, saying the safety concerns are completely understandable, especially considering Uber drivers don't know the destination when they accept a ride. That's so that Uber can keep drivers from cherry picking their rides. So they don't know if they're going into the middle of the city in the middle of the night or not. Um, so Wisconsin uh, Carry, this is a, a pro-gun group, has considered litigating this before because they say there's a lot of gray area. Um, Wisconsin has a few different laws that could support them. Um, a pizza delivery driver, for example, is legally allowed to have a gun in their car when using it for work purposes. Um, you can have a gun in your car if you're on business property. We have the Castle Doctrine here, which gives people more rights when protecting their home and their car. The the key thing here is that Uber considers its drivers independent contractors, and all these laws identify the people as employees' rights or employees. So... Would that would that be something they could win in court? Uh, well, they are sure. I'm, I'm not and clear Uber's on. Uber's been staunch that yeah. these drivers are not employees. Yeah, that's their company policy. Obviously, is, is there? It's very clear. It's spelled out in their contract with the drivers. Correct that they mm-hmm. cannot have weapons in the vehicle. Well, actually, it's not that easy to find. A lot of drivers I've talked to said they didn't know about it, um, which is interesting. And it's not that easy to find on their website either. So I don't think it's safe to assume that drivers know that they're not supposed to have a gun. Passengers are on the same side aren't supposed to have guns either, but passengers don't know what any of these rules are. I, I should be, I should clarify, Uber is clear in saying that that is their policy. Yes. Correct? They, they say their policy is they don't want their employees or independent contractors to have guns in the car. That is, they recently changed it because I checked the policy today and now drivers are allowed to have a gun that is unloaded in like a locked box in their trunk. But not accessible loaded. No. So that so part of the policy hasn't much changed. Good. Right. Their policy says something like you can't have a gun to the extent permitted by applicable law, which is... What does that mean? That our, our station attorney couldn't really tell me what that means either. He said that was kind of you know, a throwaway sentence, interpret it how you want. Uh, I think um, you talk about sort of imagining these very, we can all imagine these various scenarios, but then the question, you raised the analogy to a pizza delivery driver. There's a law that says pizza delivery drivers can have them. Does, mm-hmm. Is that regardless of what their employer says? And I ask that because let's say you drive for a particular company. I don't mean to name a name, but I don't know if it's Domino's or Pizza Hut or name another one, but if they have a company policy, like Uber has, that says no guns, does this Wisconsin law protect them? Or is that sort of a, gen- a general, you know, I guess there's a lot of questions to be asked here, and I don't know the answers. To right. I don't, I'm not under the impression that Domino's or Pizza Hut or anyone could tell their drivers you can't have a gun. Uber's different. Um, so they, they and, and Lyft, Uber and Lyft both tell their drivers you can't have weapons in the vehicle. And groups that support Uber, um, anti-violence groups say, you know, that there's a huge liability issue here. You know, there's more likely to be someone injured by a gun if there's a gun in the car. Um, it increases the danger of the situation. And it's smart to not allow those guns because it's just, you know, an incident or an accident waiting to happen. Well, and even since your story aired from a public relations standpoint, Uber really has come under fire for some safety concerns about involving drivers and passengers, and there's really been a push from passengers for those safety measures. But we also have to remember that the drivers are people too, and you want 
a company like Uber, like Lyft, wants to be able to provide that round-the-clock service, have that convenience, and go pretty much anywhere you want. And that's where you're going to get into an interesting area. Well, it's also interesting because Uber is not able to really enforce this policy. They can't stop their drivers from after carrying. After the fact, they can. Well, right? after, like the fact, case, yeah. after the fact, they can fire them if right. they know about it. You remember Stan self-reported this, yeah. thinking there wasn't going to be an so issue. So he does the good deed and gets fired for it, in his view, I'm sure. Right, exactly. But I talked to... Um, a driver who says he knows dozens of people who drive for Uber or Lyft and they have weapons in their car. So they can't control what their drivers are doing. And the drivers I spoke with said, hey, my safety and my life is more important to me than a policy I don't support. Well, especially when in these cases, the drivers are using their own vehicles. So it's a totally different company car, right? Right. So no one can, they, Uber doesn't have the right to just randomly inspect the car or install any kind of um, system on the car or anything like that because it's not their property because they're claiming these drivers are independent contractors. Right, and that's one of Stan's arguments. He said, this is my car. I paid for it. I pay for the insurance. You can't tell me what I'm doing in my car. And he has a concealed car. carry license. He's gotten the training and all that sort of thing. Right. He makes another argument that the ride was over. So the interesting, he says the ride was over. I was no longer working for Uber. I was just a guy who had a man in his car who wouldn't. Now that get would out. be an interesting <laughs> argument because if he were then attacked by one of those people, would he not claim he was on the job at the time? Right. I mean, that's you know, who knows? An interesting legal argument, I guess. Yeah, but gosh, there's a lot you could talk about with this story, huh? There sure is, and, and I think uh, you think of Uber as is one that a lot of people can relate to because we use it, as you said, Amanda, as passengers, and then there are a lot of just everyday people who are doing this for extra income as drivers, but there are a lot of businesses that require people to drive into neighborhoods or places they might feel uncomfortable at times of day. They might feel uncomfortable. And you think of FedEx workers, and I know that's come up with is FedEx uh, or, or a company like the delivery companies, uh, people driving for Amazon. Are they, do they feel threatened? Can they carry? This all really comes down to, I guess, maybe a, a difference between the individual's right under the Second Amendment versus employer's rights to control their domain, so to speak. Right. And even Stan acknowledges businesses have the right to say no firearms in this building. You know, daycares, schools, they have the right to do that. Churches, no guns allowed. He gets that. He feels like it's different because it's his car. Yeah. The the whole independent contractor thing, it doesn't sound as interesting when you first hear it, but that really is the key to all of this. That phrase has given companies like Uber a lot of grief in the past, and it will be interesting to see if it holds up or if eventually we do get a ruling that these are actual employees and things change. Now, I don't know what's happening here in Wisconsin with this in terms of anything being filed, but was just reading before we came up here, the state of Florida actually had a case that was appealed, and a, and a Florida appeals court judge uh, essentially upheld Uber's policy, saying they had a right to restrict weapons in the vehicles of their drivers. Whether or not that has any, you know, uh, any bearing on Wisconsin or other parts of the country, I, I'm really not sure. But certainly, this is an issue that's got a lot of people's interest. Well, I know the pro-gun group Wisconsin Carry has chosen not to litigate it, and I'm wondering if that's just because they feel like they might not win. Um, I think they probably would choose cases that they feel like they were more likely to win. I did reach out to um, the Department of Workforce Development to see, hey, how do you feel about this? Can you do anything? Does Stan have rights? And they basically said this was outside their enforcement authority, which basically I, I understood as, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Now, Uber doesn't allow passengers to have firearms in cars. 
can Uber do anything if they find out a passenger? Like, is there any consequence? You, you know, just, I didn't ask about the passenger Uber? side of things. Um, I think... I don't know. Maybe they would ban the person from the app. I have no idea what they would do with the passenger. But I think it's safe to assume that in a state like Wisconsin, where there are 400,000 concealed carry permits, that's like one in five adults, um, people are carrying a lot of the time. You know, passengers might be getting into Uber cars all the time. If you get on a city bus, there might be someone on the bus with a gun. And I believe they're legally allowed to have one on a city bus. I would be surprised unless the Uber car or the app was posted with a warning that it is a you know, gun-free zone or something like that, if someone who was a concealed carry license holder couldn't get in as a passenger. Right. I would think that a lot of people who are CCW holders probably do take Uber from place to place. So I, I guess maybe that's a whole other area of discussion. But this one obviously focuses on the driver because of their employment relationship with Uber. And not just Uber, but Lyft, I think, has a similar policy. Um, so this is something that just applies to this this whole area of uh, everyday people driving people around. Uh, you know, this is, it's different than in the not too long ago day when we just had cab drivers. And I don't know if cab Back drivers. Back in my day. But, but well, it wasn't all that long ago that Milwaukee had a limited number of right. licenses for cab drivers. And of course, this is something that's changed very recently with the emergence of Uber and Lyft. But were cab drivers allowed to carry guns on the job? And, and so far as I know, the answer to that is probably no, but I don't actually know the answer to that. So that's speculation. And again, you're driving someone else's property in that case. Right. In those cases, it's it's a the, the taxi cab's vehicle or company's vehicle, sure. Well, as always, if you have a consumer investigation or a story idea, let me know. You can fill out a form on our website, fox6now.com. Well, that's the dinner bell. So it is time for our dinner party question. Every episode, we answer a question we most often get asked at parties or events or when we're out and about, even though um, we all know Brian doesn't get invited to a lot of parties. That's true. I don't. He but, reminds you know, us of one that. One day, maybe. <laughs> one day. If you want to invite Brian to your party, email us. <laughs> the, at investigators the Investigators at fox6now.com. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool if I got a bunch of party invitations now? That cool, would be... Cool is one word for it. Okay, so the kick with this is we have no idea what the question is. We have several envelopes in front of us, and we are going to pick one at random. I'm pretty sure, Amanda, that turn. it is your turn. I'm going to get right. completely out of your way here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pick from the middle of the pile. I haven't been noticing. Uh, are these getting edited out, the whole tearing open of the envelope? It's dramatic. It's dramatic. The wait. It's like waiting for the winner. If you weren't in news, what other job would you have? Hmm. I think actually that one's not very hard for me because I've talked about this with my, well, my wife, with my kids. I've talked about it many times. I think I would probably be a lawyer. And I could see that. Part of that's because I know that, I mean, it's easy because I know my brother has done very well uh, in the legal profession. And because so much of what we do, oftentimes we are doing that. We just had this whole discussion about Uber and, and, uh, and, and you know, Second Amendment rights and concealed carry. And you start, I get really interested in what are the legal ramifications. And, um, and we read so many, <laughs> we read so many court filings and legal briefs and other things. I think, gosh, if I could just go back to law school. Maybe I, I could do that or I could have done that. So maybe that's what it would be. I feel like you'd be a good prosecutor. Really? Yeah, I could see that. 
do you think I'd give like a fiery and passionate closing <laughs> argument? I think so because you have like, like law the, and order. You style. have the performance aspect that comes with broadcast news, but then you have like the legal mind, and then you're going after the bad guys. I feel like that fits nicely with investigative. I reporter. imagine me like it'd be like uh, wait now this is going way back now in the Brady Bunch when when <laughs> Mr. Brady. Uh, what was was it the guy the guy I forget yeah Mr. Brady's <laughs> Leanne's laughing because she knows what I'm talking about we're the, laughing because you, with, with that phrase with the Brady bunch you just yeah. aged yourself but he a little take, bit he takes the briefcase and he throws out and it slams on the ground and the guy who's wearing the neck brace snaps his neck around and that's how he proves that he didn't have a real neck See? injury you would come yeah. up with something really crafty yeah. just like that it would like be that. creative it would be memorable yep. yeah I could do that <laughs> Just like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> what about you, Jenna? Um, well, I mean, if it's like if in this imagine, an imaginative scenario, so I'm trying to figure out. So th- is, thing. Th- is this what we would be doing or what we'd want to be what doing? What would we want to be like doing? If I'm being realistic. Yeah, so the question is, what other job would you have? So it's so really you can open interpret to interpretation. It either okay. way. Okay. Because I always wanted to be a writer growing up. Um, well, but you are. I am, but like someone who wrote, you know, like books a creative or writer, like a children's book writer, like or, or or a novel. Okay. But you know, I just I lacked the patience to do that. <laughs> um, so in this other world, where I, where I have another job, doesn't it sound so great to just be sitting at a coffee shop like J.K. Rowling and writing my book? I was just going to say you'd be a J.K. Rowling. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I read them all like three times. But I that that would be a life I would like. You know, just going to a different location every day, writing my stories, and you know. Having control over my life that way—that's that's like my fantasy. And when people accuse you of copyright infringement, I could represent you. Perfect. Right? Okay. <laughs> you have this whole like cycle, but then reality interrupts, and you realize you'd be doing most of your writing at home with all your kids. It's and true. You'd write two sentences a day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so that that was always something I would have liked to do. Whether I could have realistically done it is another yeah. story. What about See, you? I feel like my lofty, my like in a different reality thing would have been to be an attorney but the parts of being a lawyer that I like are the smallest parts I don't have the patience to do the legal briefs I don't have the patience to go to law school I'm I'm done with school I don't want to do any of that um I could see I could see myself doing I know this is going to be a shocker like open records advocacy um, working what? with Sorry. I know I know I imagine I need you to really rein in your shock right now dancer I just dropped a bombshell um, <laughs> I actually wanted to take dance lessons when I was little and my mom told me I had other gifts so I don't <laughs> think I don't think dancers oh, mom, I don't think dancer right. is gonna be and mom was right <laughs> mom I found out very quickly that if your mother doesn't tell you the truth no one will um no, but I, I I feel like it would need to be I'd be terrible at public relations. I would be terrible at if it was the kind of thing where you're representing different clients and you know they did something wrong and you still have to talk about it and defend it. I would be so bad at that. And there's a need for that role and I really respect people who have that role. I just that that would not be my skill. I would need to really work for a cause or something I believed in. So if there was a way I could do open records advocacy 
without the work of being a lawyer, that would be awesome. Um, but I don't know if that job even really exists. So we went lawyer, lawyer, author. <laughs> no, no one wanted to be like, you know, I was going to no. be a professional baseball player, no. president of the United States, nothing like that. No. No, when I was little, I talked about being president of the United States, but now I look at that and it's like, who wants that job? Yeah. Everyone's just mad at you all the time. That's a good point. Yeah. And I want to know what these two over here, Leanne, I, I think I know what Leanne would be. I think Leanne would be uh, like, she would be an Olympic weightlifting instructor. Yeah, I just feel like she would have the mo- she would she's, she would drive she's them. She's giving a she laugh of them. disbelief right now. No, because now. she's she's got the fitness thing, but she would drive people. She would have yeah. The, yeah I think she I, I could see it. What about and um, producer Pete? Pete uh, gosh, Pete, what would he be? Um, My dream was an architect. Architect? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that wasn't what I was thinking. That wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what At it least was. You I didn't was... say you have other gifts. <laughs> you you do. You have other gifts. I, I did maybe... used to be a jazzercise instructor, so it was like the motivational. Like Jazzercise. training, training right. aspect of it. Oh, you know, see, that's should, older than your that's, Brady Bunch that's reference. That's what we should have as an. Maybe it is one of these questions. I don't know, but it should be another job you held. Maybe ah. especially one that people would be surprised by. There we go. Leanne's well, I already spoiled like, you it. You never know what's in those. You have yeah. no idea. Okay. Thanks for listening to Open Record. And thank you to the people whose voices you don't hear every week that really make this happen. Producer Pete, our editor Dave Machuda, and executive producer Leanne Watson. And if you want more Open Record, head to our website, fox6now.com. Tribune Audio Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.